Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining me, John Croft, um, Chief of Life of the Daily Mirror, and my guest, my esteemed company this morning, and there's always plenty to chat through, Randy Dunn, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Mirror, Jeremy Cross, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Star, and Matt Dunn, Football Supremo, Rothman's King of the um, Daily Express. Guys, where would we be without Man United? Always giving us something to talk about, aren't they, really? I mean, it's astonishing. We'll look at the sort of the Champions League fallout from their game last night. Chelsea's a magnificent victory in contrast uh, to, to events at Old Trafford and Seville. Um, Arsenal, I, I, I'm reading this script and it sort of says Mikel Arteta in, in trouble, it says. I, I think there must be a misprint. Um, but we'll come to that later. Villa Newcastle and the postponement there. The VAR debate. Um, there's so much to talk about, guys, but there's only one place, I think, to start, and that has to be, I think, from the fallout of Old Trafford, really. Um, I, I mean, it's a you have to say it's a disastrous result from, from, from Man United's perspective, considering the great results they've had you know, earlier in the group, and everyone assumes it's done and dusted, and all of a sudden they've left themselves with a very nervous final day on the back of a disastrous result, disastrous managerial decisions. Um, Jeremy, let's start with you, if I may. What what did you make of it? Where where does this leave, you know, Ollie, part 356 um, of the season? <laughs> yeah, well, look, we, we feel like we're going on, on a roundabout, don't we? And it's not a magic one. The, um, they had this group under total control, United, and it all seems to have unravelled a bit when they lost in um, in Istanbul. Um, a few weeks ago. Obviously, they needed to a point last night, um, and I was a bit surprised when I saw the lineup because it was quite an attacking lineup. Um, it named, um, and in the first thirty minutes, I have to say they got the backsides kicked by PSG. PSG were excellent, really crisp in their passing, um, great movement, real speed on the break with Neymar and um, Mbappe. I mean, you, some, there were some occasions when Lindelof was just backtracking against Mbappe and you just thought, this is just unfair. This is almost like cruelty. Um, and, um, you know, they deserved to lose last night, United, um, for various reasons. They, they missed some great chances in the second half. They weren't clinical enough. They, obviously, Fred got sent off. He looked like a man on a mission last night. He determined to get a red card no matter what happened. Solskjaer showed his naivety at half-time by not taking him off. He, he was lucky not to get sent off before half-time. He, um, he sort of tried to headbutt um, Paredes. And um, it was, I was, everyone was astonished he didn't get a red card. He got a yellow. 
When you say tried to headbutt him, he couldn't quite manage that convincingly (laughs) enough to get himself sent off. (laughs) I've seen far better effort than that, to be honest. Especially where from I'm I'm from in Yorkshire. Yeah, exactly. Enough about your nights out, Jeremy. (laughs) So, you know, they were just treading a fine line. Fred was treading a fine line. And when he came out for the second half, you just thought, why is he not brought on Van Der Beek or Pogba? He's got reinforcements there. Take him off. Then... um, Marquinhos score, bundled one home to make it 2-1 and then Fred got sent off within a minute and that was it, they were just dead and buried. So, look, they've made life so difficult for themselves now and it shouldn't have to be this way. They're all on Leipzig, PSG and United on nine points. So, they've gone from probably winning the group to maybe not even making it through. Mm. And it's just sort of epitomises where United are at the minute. They're so unpredictable and frustrating. You know, there's a great team in there, really, on paper, but Solskjaer just can't seem to get any consistency with them. No, Andy, we're talking about the manager here because yeah. that that decision over Fred. I mean, you, you know, we we talk, don't we, about kind of players being motivated oh. and players should they take responsibility? But I have to say, surely nine out of ten managers make that yeah. substitution because you know that the player with experience, you know that that player is walking. A thin line. Yeah. That that was a howl, wasn't it? Well, I have to say I disagree. I mean, I, I am in the minority. I'm in the one out of ten or the ten percent who actually, you know, why should you take him off? Do you take every player off who's got a yellow card? You know, you know, half time. He's he, he's entitled. Oli Solskjaer is entitled to turn around to Fred and say, right, listen, what's your step in the second half? You have been. Don't forget. I understand what Jeremy's saying, but me watching the game there, I saw for that last fifteen minutes, twenty minutes of the first half. A United team that actually had taken back control of that game. They'd taken back control of that game and they were they were in the ascendancy at that time with Fred in the team. Don't forget, early in the second half, they missed chances to go 2-1 up, you know, with Fred in the team as a key part of that team. You know, he's not a kid anymore or whatever. You know, you say to him, listen, watch your step. You've been booked. They'll try and do what, what they do to try and get you sent off. I mean, you know, you've got to... He's, he's, he's an established senior footballer. You know, why should you take him off just, just because he's got a yellow card? Just because, because he's headbutted someone. Well, well, you, well, you take him off I his punishment. Think... And by the way, that was not no. a headbutt. I love that referee, by the way. I love that referee for actually turning around, looking at it on screen and saying, you know what, Paredes, he's just play acting. And, and I, 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 I don't buy into this. Well, he's made a forward movement with his head, blah, blah, blah. That's not a headbutt. And there's, there's no reason for that guy to go down other than to try and get Fred sent off. Who was the guy who put his face into the other one? Paredes to start with. That's, that's, that's what it was. And then he pushes it away with his head. Nah, I'm, I'm not having that. I'm, I'm fed up with all this idea that if you make a forward motion with your head, you're automatically sent off. Fair play for the referee looking at it and thinking, you know what, who is that joker who's just gone down trying to con me into believing he's been seriously headbutted? Mm. Yellow card's enough. That's fine. And then you're the manager. It's not you to judge whether or not Fred has headbutted him or, or not. And basically, the only reason he would have taken him off is if he doesn't trust him to stay on the pitch in the second half. And he didn't. And listen, we all know... Sorry, he didn't stay on the pitch. And we all know that that second yellow card, no matter... It doesn't matter if you think he should have been yellow carded again in the first half. It doesn't matter if you think he should have got a straight red for the headbutt. He shouldn't have got a yellow card for the one that actually um, ended up with him being dismissed. That's a fact. I just think that, you know, it, it's so, it, it's a stick to beat Ollie with that the, the really, you know, the, there's other things other than that you could probably have a go in for. I mean, as Jeremy says, maybe they were a little bit too um, attack-minded in, in his selection. But I don't think, you know, I think the Fred thing is, 
But I think it's a bit of a red herring, to be perfectly honest. Well, red I'm, card, I'm, red herring. No, very good, very red, good. Red, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, Andy. You've taken my, you've taken well, my breath away there. Simply, simply because I always think that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and uh, headbutt, you know, in the traditional sense, it wasn't. But I just think that that represents a player out of control. Gives, that's what, that's why I think that's what, why what I give, think what the gives the PSG player why. what gives the PSG player the right to go to Fred and put his face in his face. What gives him the right to do that? Mm. I don't know. I, you know I, I, just that, that's acceptable, is it? Dunning, the thing no, is, but I think what the, reaction, last night was, should, the action should be a red card. Sometimes when you watch a match, there's a play, you see a player and you just you just get the sense that you know he's on a mission to get into not get into trouble on purpose, but you just he just looked at it. There was another incident with, uh, in the second half where he went in for a 50 50 with Paredes, and, and mm. Paredes got booked, but when when you watch the replay, it was yeah. actually Fred whose foot went over the top of yeah, Greenwood's yeah. foot. And you thought, crikey, that's probably yellow as well. You just thought, crikey, this guy, he's just having one of those nights where he's having a bit of a... He's putting. It, it sounds crazy to say for a midfield, but he was just being a bit yeah. clumsy. Do you know what I mean? Listen, there was, there was clearly a, a, an element of needle there and certainly between those two. And, and you, know, you have got to trust the player. Like, you can't... I mean, what signals does that send out if you actually genuinely can't trust your player to go out and avoid a yellow card. If anything, Fred's the, the, the thing Fred was guilty of, the most heinous crime he was guilty of, is having a is having a rubbish touch because that's what got him the second yellow card, having a terrible touch, and and he hasn't got a good touch. That is his biggest crime. Not not, not anything else. No headbutt. No no being reckless or whatever. Basically, just having a poor touch that made him commit to that second um, half challenge that got him the yellow card. But your, sense of, your sense of forgiveness is is admirable, Matt. Matt, we 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 were at St Mary's on um, Sunday when when I thought we I think we we actually saw both sides of United, didn't we? Terrible first half, terrific attack and defence. You half. mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good at one one aspect, pretty rubbish at the other. Basically, I mean, you know. When are we going to get any kind of consistency from Solskjaer? Can we wait that long? This is Man United. It would be unthinkable, surely, for them to to drop out of the Champions League and be relegated to the Europa, surely. Uh, not unthinkable at all. PSG didn't get a point in uh, Leipzig. Uh, so United have got to go there and do that. That 5-0 was a freak result. I mean, Timo Werner's not that good that he leaves a team that beat Spurs 4-0 on aggregate uh, and suddenly they become duffers. I think United have got a tough ask to go out there and get a point. Um, and if they don't get a point, there's that man, Pochettino, still not got a job. Uh, and all the time he's hanging around, it's going to keep the babbling going. And Solskjaer needs to be doing better than he did against Southampton in, in particular, where, I mean, defence, again, was a disaster. Um, uh, and they could have thrown it away. And Southampton were unlucky not to, to hold on to something, although Cavani made a, a huge difference when he came on. Is it, is, it, is it seven or eight um, Premier League games away from home on the spin that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has won? I'm it's eight sure now, that was the eight. Oh, it, 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 Premier League record. I, I know, Premier League record, it's terrible. I mean, it, it's getting ludicrous. I saw it trending on Twitter, Ole out. You, you know, I mean, listen, this is a tough group Manchester United are in. This is yes, a really they? tough group. They've won in PSG, they've won in Paris, they've beaten Leipzig 5 0. Of all the groups, well, actually, probably the one also with uh, Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Mönchengladbach and um, Inter. Those two groups are the only interesting ones. And this is a tough group that they, that they are in. I mean, it, it, it really is. Even even the, the, the who we thought would be the whipping boys, Istanbul, they've beaten United and they, and they clearly performed well against Leipzig last night. So, 
you know, I just think, I mean, I mean, this idea, so, yes, so, so Andy, when we meet next week and, and uh, they're, they're in the bottom half of the table and the Europa League, that's okay for United, is it? It's not okay, but it's not okay, but it's not sackable. You know, it, it's Andy. not okay. Eagles sack him. If, if they finished, if they finished third in a group that, that in, includes um, um, Paris Saint-Germain um, and Leipzig, who are doing quite well in the Bundesliga, does that constitute a sackable offence? Mm -hmm. and, and when you are when you are a couple of points off the top of the Premier League table, how far off the off the top of the Premier League table if they win their game in hand? I mean, well, I, I, done I, it, Andy. If you were a United fan, it's how long Solskjaer has been in charge now? Is it two years? Two years. Two years. Have you seen significant progress under Solskjaer? Mm. I haven't. I mean, that, that maybe are slightly better than what they were when Mourinho was sacked, but they've spent a lot of money since then. And also, if you were a United fan, would you prefer to see next week Oli Gulasovska as the manager in the dugout or Mauricio Pochettino? Well, if I was a United fan, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, I, listen, I, I've, I would have no. I'm not speaking as a United fan. Um, as a United fan, as a fan of any club, you want your club to do as well as they can. Um, would I see signs of improvements under Solskjaer? Yes. Do I see a squad that, that is extremely talented? Yes. Did I see a team playing away at Southampton? I mean, you guys, I mean, you know, we all come from a game from a different standpoint. You know, I thought they really deserved to win that game against Southampton. You know, there's, 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 there's no, I mean, to me, no qualms about that. Um, do I see a, a, a squad that's very talented? Yes. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just do not understand the clamour. Um, to get rid of Solskjaer um, and bring in, in Pochettino. I, I just, I, I don't get it. No, I'm a, yeah. I just feel that you, if you're Man United, you get judged on a different basis. I'm with Jeremy on, on, on this one, I have to say. United, I think we expect different standards. We expect them to be challenging for the title, not the top four. I think two years into Mourinho's reign, uh, I think Mourinho was 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 getting pelters, you know, for 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 bad results. He he, he basically wasn't afforded, you know, a hiccup he, every result, you know. And I just don't. You can say, oh, kind of Solskjaer's a legend, and you know, give him time. Well, I'm not sure you get that at Man United. We, we don't think you can afford to to buy into fairy tales, really. I think you just. Uh, have to soak it up, but but we are going to move on towards <laughs> yeah. another another club legend actually, who is doing doing in, in in different contrast. Matt, really, Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I uh, mean, what a fantastic result for Chelsea last night. That means they're top of the group, four goals to Olivier Giroud, flying both domestically and in Europe. Um, isn't that kind of where where Chelsea want to be? Is is it better than expectations at the start of the season? Um. Ugh. Again, it comes back to that two hundred and fifty million pounds spent. But but last night it was it was Giroud, wasn't it? I mean, who'd be mug enough to sell a player like Giroud to Chelsea, but one of your rivals? You know, when you need a goal or two yourself, it does make you wonder what Arsenal were thinking of way back when, doesn't it? Um, mm. He's now he's seven goals off Thierry Henry's French record for for the most underrated striker probably we've seen in the Premier League, um, and he's the backup to two hundred and fifty million pounds worth of talent that. That Frank Lampard's got working quickly. Um, he's done better than than perhaps anyone expected in terms of the speed with which they've got up and running. But it's like we were talking about Manchester United before. When that with that amount of money comes a lot of expectation, and if he doesn't get it right, the pressure will come on fairly quickly. But last night was so superb. Um, you know, it showed what a, a squad can do uh, when you have got that amount of resources at your disposal. Yeah, I mean, able to make nine changes. 
um, Jezza, that, um, and basically still win the game with that that sort of style. The perfect hat trick for for Giroud as well. I think it's fairly straightforward, isn't it, with Giroud? Maybe he, he's a different different style of striker, and you can't play him every week. But in Europe, he's just a golden ticket. Yeah, look, he's a different type of player to Werner. Didn't have anywhere near the same pace. He's a good target man, great header of the ball. He's just a different option, isn't he? Every every team that's competing at the top of top end of tables or the deeper end of tournaments needs that that different option. Lampard now has to find a way to to strike that balance because I mean there'll be a huge clamour for Giroud to play against Leeds at the weekend because he scored loads of goals in the week. But you know, Lampard needs to be strong, and if that's not the right way to go against. You know, a, a pretty decent Leeds team. Then, then he'll leave him on the bench again. And that's that's the sign of strong management. That's something he's learning as he gets older. Yeah, but Frank, buying into the into the Frank Lampard. Um... No. No. <laughs> you'll be. Listen, I'm not into just in a dream. I'm not just in a cantankerous sort of. What's happened, Danny? God, you got out the wrong side for this morning, pal. But no, 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 no. But, but, but you said there, John. You, you say you say. Oh, you know, they're, they're flying your European wise and flying domestically. Um, if Manchester United win their game in hand, they're on exactly the same number of points as Chelsea. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. We're getting all these sacked rather than actually saying that he's flying in the Premier League you know and why should Chelsea be judged any differently from Manchester United I don't know considering the spend that's been that's been outlined by the lads there as well um listen I was there on Sunday for the game against Spurs and I, and I have to confess I was disappointed by them I was disappointed by basically a lack of um and I, I, I understand they were very wary of Spurs threat on the counter-attack and I haven't seen the way Spurs operated against City understandably so but I thought they were still um, maybe didn't take the initiative enough against Spurs. They didn't score against Spurs. They didn't score against Manchester United, of course. They didn't score against Liverpool, of course. You know, so so you're not scoring against the big six, um, and you're not winning games. Um, those those type of games. So I would say I will reserve judgment. Then I won't get carried away um, um, for their their points tally at the moment. And getting through, you know, it's a great result, great performance last night. You know, the group itself. Was fairly straightforward, wasn't it? Like most European um, Champions League um, groups tend to be, that was straightforward for Chelsea. It's what it's a group they should be qualifying from. So yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd hold, I'd hang fire, yeah, before I, I start lauding Frank for doing a wonderful job. He's doing the job that he should be doing right now with this spend that they've had, the players they've got, the resources they've got, the bench they had on Sunday was absolutely sensational. I mean, like you know, so if you can't get a tune out of that, then you know the question should be asked. Do you think he's doing a good job, John? <laughs> Funny enough. Were you surprised he wasn't on the BBC sport list of the year shortlist? <laughs> Do not get me started on that. I mean, honestly, <laughs> when, when you announce the shortlist and then have to put an asterisk on it to, to explain it, that basically the guy that the whole nation thinks should yes. win, the yes. reason why, I mean, you know, he's not on the list, i.e. Marcus Rashford, is just an embarrassment. Yeah. I'm sorry. Absolutely ridiculous. I do have to say... I think in this year, uh, you know, d awards shouldn't be a thing anyway. Yeah, I really passionately believe that. Forget yeah. it. Don't end. Don't ever enter yourself in an, in any sort of award in any business, please. You know, because basically <laughs> the only the only people that I think are who deserve are deserving of awards this year would be NHS heroes, key workers. Forget anyone else. 
absolutely levels of self-importance and reflecting badly on people anyway i'm going to get off my hey, that's good. i'm not a, i'm not a fan of awards as, as you might have gathered by now but please don't let's you know yeah right okay now matt right i'm going to ask you to get me get me off that soapbox uh, the other thing to come out this week which which i think is quite interesting is you know further discussion further reporting of what we believe is, well, I think we know is the preferred option of the new format for the Champions League post-2024, which is done on the Swiss model. You'd have a sort of a kind of a, a, a format uh, where it's all designed really for, for the super clubs to play each other more. You'd kind of get away from these sort of kind of tired group match, you know, kind of round-robin games. It feels like a mini league, which isn't really the intention. Um, do we need to shake it up? Is it time to come to a shake-up? Because I've looked behind this, and I actually think it's a fairly decent idea, despite all the bluster and, and negativity. It's, it's one of those, isn't it, that um, I think it does need a shake-up to answer that particular part of the question, because it is beginning to look, well, it has looked stale for a little while. Um, the problem you've got with the Champions League and the Europa League at the moment is there's not enough jeopardy in that group stage. Um, too many clubs are just sailing through, and then match days five and six become jostling for positions and putting out the kids and all the rest of it, providing you haven't mucked up early. Uh, and it's a second chance if you have mucked up early. So it's just, again, it's designed to make an interesting finish to the competition. But yeah, it, unless you're playing those big games with something riding on it, then they also can be fairly meaningless because if the top two from a group go through, then the biggest game is just sorting out, you know, arranging deck chairs, isn't it? Um, so, uh, so no, I, I think there is something in this this new look system. But the thing that worries me slightly is we, we're edging and edging towards a more a European league, which I don't think in this country is something that, that we need or will particularly benefit our, our viewing pleasure. Because, you know, it's, it, we're, we're lucky, we're blessed with a, a competition that's interesting week in, week out. Mm. And, and I can see why Spain and Italy um, want... A more European competition but I think we've just got to be careful what we jump into bed with because you know a local derby will always you know attract more attention in this country than say you know two of the big European big hitters play for a game that no one really understands what it's about um Champions League like coming back you look after the big clubs but but in tennis they don't look after the big players if you want to stay at the top you have to win every game that you play um, you know, Nadal, Federer, um, Djokovic, they always get to these finals and semi-finals by beating everybody they play. A more of a knockout element to what is a cup, um, I, I just think would add to it. So the further you move away from that, the weaker the product, even if you get, you know, freak results occasionally. Earlier, earlier in this, I mean, we obviously had Man United PSG last night. I, I think there's a group, isn't there, featuring uh, Juventus Barcelona, you know, um, I, I don't don't we enjoy the the clashes of the uh, of the super clubs? The uh, but that's the, the point, John. Um, you know, PSG lost in Paris, didn't they, to Manchester yeah. United? Who's going to be in the knockout phases? You'd expect PSG. Yeah. So although they've lost, it's there's no, it's not a disaster at the end of it. They say, oh well, we've got five other games. Yeah, we can uh, we can get that back somehow. And that's the thing. If if they'd lost and then. You know, that was effectively a two-legged thing. Imagine mm. if last night's game, 
United were playing and losing 3-1, having 1-2-1 in Paris, and that was a two-legged knockout tie. That makes it a very much more interesting spectacle last night, doesn't it? Because, you know, it would have been on, on tenterhooks right from the start. And when Fred gets sent off at 2-1, you're suddenly, you know, as it is, they can go to Leipzig, still buy themselves another ticket and play a lot better, perhaps get a, a win uh, and still get through. But, you know, if it, yeah, I just think there's not enough sense of immediacy. Jeopardy. Over yeah. Jeopardy, mm. all of that, uh, and I think it needs some more of that rather than the whole idea of it balancing out over a season. I, you know, I just, yeah, I think that that's where it can be different yeah. to the domestic league. Because it might be better if the if I mean, look, we've all covered this competition for years and years, and it doesn't really become interesting, barring the odd group game, you know, which is the exception to the rule. Mm. Mm. The knockout stages, the quarterfinals, I always think that's when it gets really interesting. You've got four generally really great games between the elite clubs yeah should i think the knockout so the problem is uefa want as many games as possible to generate as much money as possible it all boils down to money doesn't it we all know that would it not be right if the knockout stages were just one game drawn home and so if you're drawn at home you've got home advantage but maybe yeah if you're the away team you get the away goal rule to, to try and balance things up i don't know and it's yeah, a I, I think that's a great shout. I mean, listen, what we saw in the summer, I thought was brilliant, wasn't it? It's yeah. a breath of fresh air. And I just think that that, I don't know whether you agree, Andy, that basically, you know, it, it, the shake-up then that that provided, together yeah. with maybe a shake-up of the group format, which to me seems a bit tired and dull, particularly in weeks five and six, generally, for most groups, you know. Isn't yeah. that a good thing? I think it's um, I think it's the group stages. I, I understand what you're saying um, about those sudden-death um um, quarterfinals, semi-finals, but don't forget in previous years those two-legged quarterfinals and semi-finals have been epic. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you if, if if you have a one-off, um, if, if you have a one-off knockout game like that, you don't get Liverpool Barcelona, you don't get the Liverpool comeback, yep. you don't get one of the greatest games Anfield's seen. Um, full stop, do you? So, I mean, like, you mm -hmm. know, th those actual two-legged affairs actually were quite exciting. Certainly, the year before, and I think the year before. As well, so I'm not entirely sure. I'm just with with with, with all of you on. The, I think the worry when you are revamping it the, 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 is there is it. It should always be you know a, a meritocracy. So you you spoke about isn't it great to see Barcelona playing Juventus? Yes, it is. And I think I think that those two are fairly that group's fairly settled as you uh, in the way you would imagine. But the point is, is that that's a glamour tie, Barcelona Juventus, mm. and what what these clubs want to do is to make sure those type of ties happen every year regardless of whether or not they finish in a qualifying position let's let's let, let's get that straight what 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 these clubs want is basically they don't want the jeopardy never mind the jeopardy actually within the competition itself they don't want the jeopardy of possibly not qualifying for it you know i mean teams in particular like i don't know like like milan you know who haven't qualified um, um for a couple in the previous years you know don't want don't want that revenue stream taken away just because they don't finish um, domestically in a qualifying position, and I think that's the that's the idea that has to be resisted at all costs. You know, it, it, it must be the Champions League for a reason. Listen, it's been diluted by the fact that you don't have to be champions to get in it. That was a long time ago. That ship has sailed. That argument has been lost. Um, but now, at least, you know, keep some sort of um, qualification um, system in place rather than just you're in it because you're mm. a huge club with a huge fan base across the world.
I think you breakfast arrived, Crossley. Yeah, I know, I know. Very, 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 uh, very reliable helper. Now, come on, uh, uh, just to finish on the Champions League, can we see an English winner this season? I, I have to say no, because I think Bayern Munich is still by far and away the best team in Europe at the moment. But go on. Yeah, Inspire look, yeah, it, it, if, um, if Liverpool had a full squad to choose from mm. you know you'd have to say they would probably be our best shot at winning it mm. again you know they won it two years ago um and you know when they are fit and firing they are the best team yeah. in europe up there with bayern but you just look at bayern they're just like a machine aren't they? they're just so streetwise in europe and relentless and they just brush teams aside i think they 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 remain the benchmark city look city have a lot of talent in their squad but they have a mental block when it comes mm. to the latter stages and i think chelsea and um united are not mm. strong enough to get to the final i mean they'll, they'll, they'll do well to get to the semi-finals this year so i think bayern munich i agree with you i think bayern munich are, are going to win it again yeah yeah i, I, think I, think, I mean just quickly you know, i think we've got a great chance you know i agree totally agree obviously buying i think they're probably just favorites but you know the way bookmakers work over here you know city a favor for everything um um without without you know 100 justification but um i think Bayern are probably just slight favorites ahead of manchester city but i think you know listen in england um and this is even before we know what happens to united next week in leipzig you know any one of those three teams are already qualified Chelsea Liverpool mm. City are well equipped to win the Champions League. Well equipped, all three of those squads. They are excellent squads. And if you think that maybe Barcelona and Real Madrid, who you probably would make up with Bayern Munich as a as a triumvirate that, that, that would, would would normally vie for favouritism. If you think Barcelona and Real Madrid maybe aren't in the form that and have had issues off the pitch, um, financial issues, um, personnel issues, you would think that, that now the three English teams are probably higher in the pecking order than, than those two. Mm. So really, you, you've got a few chances against Bayern, haven't you? Basically, mm. you, you're, you're putting three up, maybe four, if United can do can do the job in Leipzig next week against Bayern. So, you know, they've got to have a really good chance. I agree Bayern's still a favourite, but I'd be very optimistic that one English team can certainly at least go all the way to the final. Mm, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Right, now, the, the next subject, we're going to look at the Europa League and particularly Arsenal. And whoever wrote the script, as, as I say, has clearly, clearly, you know, just yeah, got this horribly wrong. Because it says here, Arteta question mark, already a myth question mark. Who dare ask such a thing about magical Mikel? But, but but it has been a wretched run of results. Listen, mm. I did the, you know, at the game tonight, you know, fans back in. I don't know whether it'll be a, it's been a blessing, frankly, that they've not been allowed in for the last few weeks, knowing Arsenal fans. Um, uh, and I'm allowed to say that. Um, and then, but it's, it, it, the last few weeks has been painful. Arsenal traditionally don't do very well in November, but this has taken to a whole new level. So, Mikel Arteta stuck in 14th place. Guys, who wants to take this? You know, are Arsenal massively underachieving or is just where, this where they should be? Well, it's not, where, it's not where they should be, is it? I mean, when, when we say 14th, I mean, again, a, a first caveat to that is that the table is incredibly concertinaed, isn't it? You know, you know, they are in, you know, 13 points from 10 games is their worst start for a long time, isn't it? Or worst start in the Premier 81, League. 81-82. 82, Terry Neal. Worst in the Premier League era. 
Yeah, so it's their worst star, 13 from 10. But, you know, having said that, what you could say, well, actually, you know what, that's only, I don't know, what's in a Champions League place at the moment? Probably 18 points is off the top mm. of my head. Something like that. You know, they're probably five points off a Champions League place. You can you can do it either way. You know, a run of two or three victories would, um, would sort it. I was at Old Trafford for when they beat Manchester United. Um, I, what I would say, I think Jez was probably there as well. I'm not sure. But what I would say is that, you know, missing... I mean, to be without Thomas Party is a huge... I was massively impressed by him. And to yeah. be without a player of that stature and that calibre has got to be um, has got to be an issue. Um, but what, I think what's startling, John, is, that it, it, is it just how how sort of insipid they've become, how they're not carrying a great deal of attacking threat, how they're not carrying much imagination, how they've become a, a sort of a, a less than functional team. It, it's a, you know, listen, it was great when he sort of got the team disciplined, got them organised, got them well drilled, but now they're sort of not quite that, but without the imagination as well, you know, without, without, without the initiative going forward, they're not creating chances. They're not, you know, Aubameyang is getting a lot of stick, you know, he signed his deal now he's, he's not interested, goes the allegation. Well, maybe there might be an element that, that maybe his, his motivation is not quite as great, but also he's not getting the chances. He's not getting, there are very few creators in that team. And then you wonder who, who have they oh, got no. on their books, Andy? Someone yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I was just basically have they got anyone. I was basically just now going to leave it and tee you guys up to um, to take away from there. So over to you, Matt. Well, I've looked at this. I've looked at the squad, and there's, there's, there's no one in it. No, 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 there's no one in it who can create. So yeah, Matt. Matt, come on, tell us. Yeah, the reason for that is because he creates more problems than than he for for, for his own teammates, and he does for opposition players, except for the rare game that he, he fancies it. So um, you wouldn't have him in the squad either? I mean, no, because it gets rid of the whole idea. They've got to find a way of unlocking it without just saying, well, we'll try Mesut for three games and he'll, he'll dazzle and play a few passes and then he'll disappear up his own backside again like he always has done in his career. You know, it's great to watch and don't get me wrong, you know, some of his passing and, and whatever is fantastic. But in the last few years at Arsenal, he's not actually produced anything that has made Arsenal... A false but in any and in the big games he's gone missing uh and he's certainly gone missing whenever arsenal travel up to the northwest or whatever or, or head outside the m25 he's a very poor traveler uh, and, and i think all the time the debate's going on around him arteta's answer this i can't yeah why should he have to talk about him now he's not in the squad so he needs to find the solutions from within the 25 names he's got 25 you can't find a you can't find him in 25 it, it does, but, but but John also what what is when it comes that's okay now. So if you get the results without him, fine. You don't have to talk about him. Mm. But now fans want answers. Not not they're not necessarily saying right. Well, he has to be back in. But they are saying, listen, at least tell us. Yeah. Why why he's not in the squad? No, but tell us why he's not in the squad. It can't be because he's not good enough. It is a, clearly something else there. You know that people know, and he's not telling fans. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't know why. I noticed Mazin did tweet last night. Focus. Patience and resilience, he says. You know, which I have to say, even as his biggest fan, probably are not the three. resilience. He must have had his account hacked. <laughs> he then also he then also pointedly goes on to send a congratulatory message to Olivier Giroud, um, <laughs> which I <laughs> but you know, I just think wasn't, it, wasn't there the great old myth about basically how Mesut used to complain that you know he went from aiming for 
Benzema and base it around Madrid and then trying to supply yes. Olivier Giroud wasn't quite in the exactly. no-go wasn't quite the same but no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. well listen Arteta can do nothing about it now can he get him can he get him back in the squad in January is he Yes, he can. Yeah, So you know, it would seem unless there is you know some sort of reason why why um, some fundamental reason why he's not in the squad, then the, the, maybe. He well, should. I think he's fine. Well, I mean, I think it's financial. If you're not picking him in the squad, you're saying to him, you know, you might as well go and find another another yeah. club, which he's obviously not yeah. wanted to do at this no. stage. So they save millions of quid. I mean, yeah, it might but, be I mean, like that, but it's clear to me, to me, because why on earth would well, you? You know, why on earth would, wouldn't you pick him in that 25? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, John, let, let, let's get it right. You, you know, as, as much as I, I I am the chairman of the Ozil fan club, <laughs> even I would say that, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not going to be some sort of, like, you know, magic bullet. He, you know, Ozil isn't going to come back and suddenly transform and lift Arsenal. Well, he uh, couldn't be any worse than William. No, no he, exactly. He couldn't be worse than William. William. Yeah. I mean, we William, William, William has turned up for 45 minutes of football this season. Yes. Opening, yes. opening weekend. As, as it happened to be, it was the first 45 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. If, I, if I remember rightly. And, no, and not, it, not, it was held a great stand. And bear in mind, John, this is a guy who got a three-year contract. I mean, yeah. if that's not symptomatic of how inept Arsenal can be behind the scenes, then surely nothing ever will be. You know, Willian... Um, a three-year contract. You know, it, it's it's just <laughs> astonishing. And now, of course, you know they've done it, and they'll they'll regret that at their leisure. Also, I have to say, you know, I, and I, I have I have this this beef about teams who 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 think who have top four aspirations. I always say, don't take players from other clubs who think that these players are not good enough for a club with a top four aspiration. So don't take David Luiz. Willian is probably. You know, he, he let his contract run down. However, he was still Chelsea went desperate to keep him. You know, so don't take what what makes a top four club think, or a club with top four aspirations think this player who who hasn't been able to do it. It, it was Everton's downfall for a long time. You know, Everton mm -hmm. would, would would take players from United. You know, who, who who weren't quite good enough for United standards. So why should they be good enough for Everton standards? Why should mm -hmm. David Luiz and William be good enough for Arsenal standards? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, I want to I want to chuck it forward to the to the North London derby. You know, yeah. Tottenham Arsenal because that that's into that's really into the melting pot for Arsenal. Really, there. You know, I mean, it's it's a difficult one. How do you, how do you see that going? And I mean, you know, I mean, it would obviously be respite with a victory for Arteta, but it's hard to see anything other than Spurs win, isn't it? Well, look, Arteta should be looking at this as a great opportunity to put a marker down. You know, breathe some new life into his season. Beat beat Tottenham, and it, fans are happy, aren't they, for the week? Yeah, it's one of the biggest games of the season. Um, always has been, and always will be. I mean, obviously, you've got a fancy Tottenham because the top of the league, they're on form, they're looking really solid and resolute. You know, Mourinho riding the crest of a wave there with his players. They've all bought into him. I mean, how long that lasts? You know, who knows? But mm. um, so I think, I, look, Arteta should. It's a great opportunity for him isn't it? to to get a, to get a much needed win. But just going back to what Dunny said about recruitment, I know this the Willian situation and the Ozil situation are quite reflective of how Arsenal do their recruitment and treat players. And you, well, you, you know more than I do about Arsenal. But going back to even when towards the last few years of Wenger's um, reign, the standard of player that they've signed has just gradually gone downhill hasn't it for the last 15 years they've just not replaced legendary players with players of the same level of quality and i mean that all I suppose that all goes back to cronky doesn't it the owner and 
how much money he's willing to spend on, on recruitment. Well, I, personally, I've seen a few comments about Cronky, and I must say, you know, I know fans jump on that one, but in, in the last few few windows, he's broken the transfer record, underwritten with it, with his own cash, used his own cash, and basically when, you know, spent £72 million on Pepe, last summer was a remarkable transfer window, when they really, really went for it, even getting party on the, on the final day, I don't know that that's 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 the issue. But is Pepe a world class player? No, but so I don't, think, I, don't been... think, I don't think you can reproach the financial backing and support and backing for the manager. So it's the, I, it's... I told you, it's it's more to do with the scouting and uh, recruitment. Yeah. Not we're not looking at the hierarchy. Here. I'm yeah. sorry. But it's so easy to take pot shots, and that's just being lazy. You know, you've got basically got to look at, you know, what what's gone wrong Who here. Identifies the players. Yes, and and then basically they've obviously made a change in the recruitment department, but now ahead are two big windows for Edu when when he basically he's got that on his shoulders. Yeah, and I, I personally think it's more to do with you've got a, a, a ridiculously unbalanced squad. A lot of players coming towards the end of contracts at the end of the season. We're not just talking Urza, we're talking Mustafi, we're talking Socrates, you know, massive earners, by the way, you know, and then basically an opportunity to really shake it up and improve the squad. It's going to be a long job, but then basically this is when the recruitment has to step up and make the grade. This is the test. And if you look at Arsenal, they are as much ego as Arteta. They are quite a way off the elite clubs at the minute. There's still no, they've not bridged that gap. And no. I suppose it's painful for Arsenal supporters because they look at Tottenham, you know, Mourinho's been there just over a year. They're making genuine progress. And Arteta, who's been there a similar amount of time, you'd probably say, well, he's not, they're not pushing on it like Tottenham have under Mourinho. Mm-hmm. And they're going to that game as underdogs, don't they? There's no getting away yeah, from that. Yeah, without, without doubt. Guys, guys let's move on. Villa Newcastle this, this Friday, well, it's now off, of course. But basically, it did mark a point in time that I think is quite interesting, is that basically it's the first Premier League game to be postponed because of the virus, um, because of infection rates, because of the, you know, an impact that a Premier League club has felt. I mean, it's, it's happened in other divisions. Let's be absolutely clear on this. But it, with that in mind, has is it, is it been something of an achievement for the Premier League and, you know, project restart before and now this season? That, that it is the first one in time. You know, we obviously wish everyone at Newcastle the, the, the best of health, but basically, you know, it is quite a remarkable achievement as we, you know, prepare to, you know, embrace the return of fans, by the way. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, that's that's exactly, you're exactly spot on. There's not much to add to that. It is incredible, really, how well organised it's been, um, how the Premier League have you know, from day one of getting it restarted, the organisation has been outstanding. We've all done a lot of games and we've seen that, you know, and when you consider as well, particularly now that um, players, since the resumption of international football, you know, was always going to increase the risk of, of, of more infection. Obviously, there's more testing and we've had three international breaks now um, with players variously being tested positive while, while away on international duty. So it really is such a, a delicate situation. And to actually, for this one to be the first to actually be called off is remarkable. And don't forget, this is coming on the same weekend as we're going to see, you know, we've, we've spoken about fans being back in the other night. Obviously, 
this weekend we'll see fans finally returning to the Premier League. You know, we'll have mm. in the first game from fans back, I think, will be West Ham Man U, I think. Um, there are two earlier games, aren't there? But I think they're in. The well, Manchester. yeah, Ar- Arsenal actually host, ho- you know, Premier yes, League host host tonight. Europa League, obviously. Yeah, but, but, I mean, um, I mean, but yeah, as a Premier League game, absolutely. Premier League, and yeah, it's a, a significant yeah. moment. Um, and yes, I do. I, I just think, and again, they've 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 acted swiftly on this one. They've acted decisively. So I just think it is, you know, did it, they need it, to do it? Did they need to do it when you've got? I think we know of five infections. That's four players and one one member mm. of staff. Did you need to do it? I mean, I think the, the I think the, the issue comes in, doesn't it, with public training. health England shutting the shutting yeah, the, the training ground. ground. Yes. So I don't think there was any way around it, guys. Was there? I don't think. Well, no, Newcastle's don't argument is they can't they can't prepare properly can sure. they, for the game. So you know, uh, look, there's probably a joke there somewhere. But when when football resumed in uh, June, mm. I was convinced that it was going to be only a matter of weeks before certain games were affected by COVID, there'd be outbreaks. So it's a remarkable achievement to get this far towards nearly to the end of the year before the first game mm. um, is, is cancelled. And, you know, hopefully it, it will be a, a one-off. You know, there's no suggestion that this will start happening on a regular basis now. We could This could be the only one of the season to, to suffer. So, mm. you know, they'll find, a, they'll find a slot for it later in the season. And yeah. uh, I think it, it's, it highlights, actually, it just reminded us how well everyone has done to, to yeah. keep, get football back and safely. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree, really. Matt, Matt, how good will it be to have fans back on, on, on the back of that? I mean, it'd be fantastic, won't it, to, to you know, have a bit of atmosphere again, albeit very, you know, very small numbers. Yeah, it would be great. Um, I was interested in some of Lee Bowyer's comments uh, about the fans at Charlton. <laughs> uh, basically, that when you haven't got that terrace, that packed serious atmosphere, um, you hear the negative individual criticisms that people tend to shout. And I wonder if we're ready for that. It's one thing to hear the players sh- shouting at each other, but when and at the end of the noisy individual with choice language, whatever, and a particular bone to pick with certain players, when they start becoming a lot more audible, I just wonder whether it's going to be quite the, uh, the, the jamboree that we all say it's going to be when, when fans are back. But, yeah, it would be great to have noise and reaction because it is has been missing. Um, but hopefully it's just a, a brief stepping stone with vaccines and whatever to, to more full stadiums, which I think is when it will really start feeling like football again. Yeah. J- Jeremy, I'm, I'm not going to waste too much time on this one, but VAR debate. So come on, tell oh, us. No. Do, I mean, is it time? Do we need to just get on with it? Is it becoming a little bit, a little um, bit tired? Well, you can argue. You can you can pick holes in this system every game. It is what it is. It's clearly not working. We need to limp through to the end of the season, and it needs a massive overhaul in this in in the close season because it's just. We thought eighty months ago when it came in. I mean, I wasn't a fan of it initially, but. You know, when it came in, you thought there'd be no, it'd be black and white, there'd be no grey areas, there'd be positive, you know, signs from this technology. But it's just not panned out like that. And there's no incons- there's no consistency. That's what annoys me so much. You see one incident one week, you get treated differently the next. I mean, like, for example, without wanting to wind Dunny up a bit, but <laughs> the headbutt, I mean, Pepe got done, sent off for a headbutt. Fred attempted to headbutt someone last night, got a yellow. Mm. You know, look, you can, you can sit here all day and talk about, you know, 
what type of headbutt it was, but he, his intention was to put his head in another player's face. And whether you like it or not, that is generally a red card offence. So, you know, for me, I'd scrap it. I just think it's just not working and I don't think they'll ever be able to master it. Um, and the main issue is the people who operate the technology, that's the problem. It's not the technology, it's the people who interpret it. Yeah, sure. Andy, I was just going to ask you about Wayne Rooney and Derby. Yeah. Is, is, um, is Rooney the right man for, for, for the job? Do you, do you think he's going to get the job? And do you think he'd do well if he if he does? I think there's, there's a sort of it, kind of a strong shout for John Terry at this moment strong, in time. Strong shout for John know. Terry. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that John Terry is the man for it. In mm. the same way, I'm probably not sure that Wayne Rooney is. However... You know, clearly, you know, does he deserve the job on his coaching credentials and coaching CV? But clearly not. You know, he's completely inexperienced. But then, then you could say the same thing about Steven Gerrard taking over at Rangers, Frank Lampard um, taking over at Derby that time. Mm. You, you know, you, you're you're buying into the idea that this is 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 a man who, who over a fantastic international career, fantastic club career, record breaker in both of those. Has he amassed enough knowledge from the coaches he's worked with, from his own experience, to be a good manager? And I suspect he has. I really do. I think it would be a great... I mean, I, I was impressed with the way that, you know, he's saying, well, that's it. You know, if I get the job, I'm not going to be player coach. I'm not going to be player manager. I will stop playing. You know, all, all of a sudden, you know, I thought to myself, blam, you know, we might have seen the last of Wayne Rooney. Okay, he's what? He was his birthday recently, 35. Mm. You know, we're still seeing players now go on for a lot longer than that you know, great players and he's prepared to call time on that career to 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 literally, you know, just focus a hundred percent on the job. I would like to see him given a chance. You know, listen, he's had a couple of results this week. I think he's drawn both games hasn't he? But it'll it'll take a while. Um and yeah, I mean the, the simple answer is he the best qualified for the job? Well clearly not. But could he bring all his experience to bear? And is he ambitious enough to be a coach? I love the idea that he wants to be a coach. I love the idea he wants to stay in the game in that way. I think I, I would give him a crack at it. I really would. Tell you what, though, whoever they, it's a big call, it's because the mm. bottom of the league are adrift for yeah. one yeah. game all season. They're yeah. hurting towards League One. They need someone, not just, not just you know, Rumi's a sexy appointment, John Terry would be a sexy appointment, it would raise the profile of the club, blah, blah, blah. They need someone to keep them up initially. Yeah. yeah, they really do. I think I think the uncertainty certainly over the ownership is is not yeah. happening, and Rooney's been quite clear on that. Listen, I just I was just going to touch on on one thing here. Um, you know, the importance perhaps of sport um, th this week and, and and health. Before we touch on another debate, really, it's the International Day of People with Disabilities. Um, so raising awareness of that, and I think BT Sport are playing a, a, a major role in in that as we talk about that. Just want to talk about the importance, I guess, of sport, watching, playing, participating. There's been so much talk about kind of hasn't there about grassroots football needing to get back. You know, um, the knock and effect for that for for kids for for people with disabilities. Um, you, you know, Matt, mm. it's so important, isn't it, that sport in our lives. Um, to, to play that crucial role for our physical and mental well-being. Oh, absolutely, yes. I can't wait for our regular weekly doubles to start, tennis doubles to start up again. Um, already penciled <laughs> in for, for next week. Um, yeah, uh, well, that was one of the... Talk about watching Premier League football. Uh, mm. One of the buzzes after the first lockdown was going past the park near where I live 
than seeing kids running around it on a Sunday yeah. morning for the first time after weeks. And you suddenly realise what I've been missing from life and seeing that enjoyment and freedom that, that they have. Uh, and I do think children especially have missed out um, on on an important, especially over the summer when it was such glorious weather, um, missed out on something that just gives them a buzz and just helps them in life generally. Um, you know, gives them sort of an appetite for, for doing all the other things they have to do. Um, and, and, and adults as well, that just, you know, mm. it's amazing. The smiles on people's faces just from walking dogs and things. You know, mm. they're probably the most walked dogs ever, the, the 2020 uh, breed. But but you just see people around getting exercise that perhaps they don't normally take. And, uh, and yeah, it is. It just puts a smile on people's face and, and, and just, just helps everyone feel better about what's actually quite a horrible situation that we're in at the minute. No, I completely agree. I do think we've never been more aware of, of health the impact and, and, and everything around that at, at the moment. I think that's, you know, football obviously facing its own challenges, isn't it, with with, with dementia right now. We talk about, you know, sort of, um, the, the, sort of the heroes from 66, you know, suffering from, from Alzheimer's. Mm. And, you know, I think this was brought into stark contrast. The debate's been rumbling, hasn't it, for, for, for weeks, and, and it's good to see that. Um, but then given a new relevance by David Lewis and Raul Jimenez, the dementia debate, I mean, you know, Arteta was defending his own club doctor yesterday, Gary O'Driscoll, who's been ironically one of the, the, the loudest and biggest and most important voices on that. Andy, are we getting are we getting it right at the moment? Because, you know, we're talking about concussion substitutes, but that's an extra man on the bench uh, in being mm -hmm. trialled in the FA Cup. That's not what the campaigners want, is it at all? You know, which is, is different. I, I, I suspect we're not quite getting it right. No, I think you're right. I don't think we. I think you're absolutely right. We can't have a situation. Um, the ongoing mentality that, that you know, if a player says he's okay to carry on, he carries on. I don't think that was the case. You know, you know Arsenal was satisfied that David Luiz was okay to carry mm. on, but surely, you know, at that stage, you know, to take him off then for proper examination just was was the obvious thing, and and a concussion substitute would would work. It seems it, it seems. Um, an obvious thing, obvious thing to do. I think just what's important though at the moment is that debate is out there, and the PFA now I think are going to be committed to putting more money um, in, into the research. You know, and, and it, 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 it can't come quickly enough. Basically, it's as simple as that. You know, just more and more research, more and more support for those families um, of, of, of players of, of a certain age who, who have developed dementia and who are suffering from it. And I just think now that, that, that it is, you know, it, it, I'm not saying it's a subject that was swept under the carpet, but it was a subject that, and it wasn't a subject that was taboo, but it was a subject that basically was uncomfortable, it seemed, for the authorities. And now, you know, hopefully they, 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 they will face it um, and, tr and try and get some positive steps going forward. I think, ironically, you, you know, that, that what, what happened at, um, um, at the Emirates, the, the, you know, re really should really should concentrate people's minds on, on what you do when a player suffers a, a head injury on the pitch on the field is it is it you know to be assessed out there to be assessed on the touchline it isn't enough i think he probably needs to come off and be assessed properly yeah i, I got the sense jeremy from listening to what arteta was saying yesterday that basically he's saying look we followed the protocols we did everything right our, mm. our doctor is one of the best out there brackets we need to have a look at those protocols mm. But basically, I mean, you, you know, the concussion substitutes, just so people are aware, 
it, it, you know, it would allow teams to to make a temporary substitution to bring a replacement on for ten minutes while the other player is taken into the dressing room, properly assessed. People take a, you know the emotion out of it, perhaps you know, and and it's a medical pure decision without the player probably carping in the in the doctor's ears saying, "Let me back on," you know, because yeah, look, that's a natural player and fighter's instinct, isn't it? Yeah. Look, there was a debate, wasn't there, about whether they should have let David Luiz drive home. Following that game, he drove home. Um, look, the issue is, do we have the proper, not just protocols, but the, is there, a, is there, there's not a definitive test in football that says a physio comes on, tests someone, is he concussed? Yes or no? That that's not never been in place. So yeah, no, Jeremy, I think there is in the Premier League handbook. And it shows how appallingly sort of low-key that they seem to be taking this whole issue. It's called the Pocket uh, Concussion Recognition Tool. Yeah. Uh, like it's some sort of observer's book of headaches or something. Um, yeah. It's a two-page well, document. Think, There's loads of questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You ask them where they are, what day it is, yeah. to recognise various things. And it's all medically um, uh, sort of approved and they're, they're targeted questions, although they look simplistic. Um, they are very targeted questions and they're supposed to get a quick diagnosis. But when you look further back to the work that's behind that, which is called a SCAT-5 uh, assessment, the very first paragraph of that assessment, which has FIFA's name uh, attached to it, uh, the, the research, the very first line says, you cannot con conduct one of these assessments in less effectively in less than 10 minutes. Uh, and that's right at the top of the, the main a diagnostic tool that, that doctors recognize in for sports concussion um and and if we're saying look it takes 10 minutes to work out whether someone's concussed and whether you're, you're the arsenal doctor or or some bloke on pitch side in, in the sunday league it takes 10 minutes to work out whether someone's actually with it or not that's how long you need to give people yeah. to make that assessment i remember with uh yam batongan it was fairly horrible scenes to be honest was sickening when i don't know if you remember mm. when he got a concussion well he didn't mm. get a concussion when he got a nasty head injury and was kind of leaning on pochettino and being sent back out to play for at the end of a game um it took spurs 48 hours to say with any certainty no we've looked at all the scans he definitely didn't have a concussive uh a concussion on that occasion 48 mm. hours to actually come up with a proper diagnosis we're asking team doctors to do that in three minutes and it's just not possible. Uh, and at least if we could go to 10 minutes, it gives them a chance to do a, a, a more sort of precise test. But this pocket concussion recognition tool, it just seems, sounds like we're, we're just doing it on the hoof. That is indicative Sorry. of how football mm. has not treated this issue seriously enough over decades. Not it's just astonishing. Years. It really is astonishing. I mean, I must say, you know, <laughs> one of the sort of, uh, sort of brief exchange was, you know, someone who, who who's English and lives in the States, you know, Sophie Nicolau basically making the point about the NFL. I mean, yeah. the NFL is light years ahead. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think as a sort of an expat living abroad, basically said, oh, you, you know, kind of, we need the English media to kind of highlight the issue. Well, well you've obviously not been following the, the English newspapers because we're trying, we're trying, but it, it kind of it feels like no one's mm -hmm. listening and no one's looking at the differences between English 
you know, sport and the NFL because the NFL. I mean, Jeremy, you you follow it closely, don't you? I mean, it's you know, it's light years ahead, isn't it? Yeah, it's a look. That, that that is a sport which has a the wear obviously wear helmets, but they they it's a very physical game. There's there's, sure. there's a lot of this going on, so you know they have to be on top of that situation and there have been i know there was a big lawsuit as well which probably was a game changer in nfl so that made mm. them a few years ago which made them sit up and realize that, that something has to be done mm. but the, you know we've heard the last few weeks of managers saying look we're going to reduce the amount of heading in training that we do that's mm. all well and good but they, ultimately when players go out to play they're going to have to head the ball countless times mm. so the problem's not going to go away we just need resolutions in place that where we can make sure we find out if a player has got concussion or not. And if that takes 10 minutes, if that means you have to wait until the following day and he has to be taken off, then so be it. Because look, we now feel you now feel like you're waiting for the next generation of footballers to start being diagnosed with dementia. You know, you mm. mentioned the 66 boys, or what about players who played in the 80s and 90s? You know, Tony Cascarinos, who wrote so passionately about it the other week, you know, he started saying, look, I feel like I've got the first signs of it onset his dad had it obviously so he knows a lot about the condition so you feel like there's another wave coming of playing yeah. now how many times how many waves do we have to see before the authorities invest the money needed to find a, a proper way to deal with it yeah i totally agree i think the lazy assumption is oh it's gone now you know it's a yeah. thing of the past with the heavy balls it couldn't be further from the truth because yeah. the lighter balls are hit with more velocity and speed yeah, you know, and so the current thinking is that actually, you know, that that that, that levels it out, and it's it could be just as bad if if not worse. So you know, the sooner sooner we address that. Listen, I want to finish with the FA Cup, guys. The, 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 I mean, the FA Cup this season. I think actually, please don't get me wrong. I don't want to see FA Cup replays abandoned. I love the FA Cup. I'm so passionate about it. I think it's a fantastic competition. Always have, but I think as a one-off, those kind of you know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's settled in one game, gives us the opportunity to see a few giant killings, a m truly magical third round weekend. I mean, some of the draws, Marine Spurs is just phenomenal, Andy, isn't it? I mean, what a, you know, fabulous, it, what a story. It's, it, it's just sensations, isn't it? it? It's just the best draw I can remember for a long, long time. It, it, in the Daily Mirror this morning, Brian Reed um, has, has written a column about it. It's actually about, it's pointing out, it's about VAR now, how VAR might have checked Marine's goal. Imagine that taking the romance out of the cup when they score in the hundred and twentieth minute and there's people on the pitch and all of a sudden you check them it's not. And it's a brilliant column that Reedy's done. Um, but but it also sums up, you know, it, it, the story. You know, the, the, the goalkeeper it, still in his orange kit walked across mm. the road to the off license to get the beers and bring them back. You know, people falling out the trees in the garden and and it was just sensate. You know, a bin man. You know, providing the cross. NHS workers score. It, it's just. And then to pull out the draw, you know, if you wanted a glamorous team, if you wanted, you know, the world's probably arguably one of the world, one of the world's most famous coaches, you, you know, you can imagine Jose coming with his embossed leather bag, you know, that one he always has with yeah. JM on it and coming in and, and it's just fantastic. You, you, you know, and that, I mean, and there's other great ties, you know, Stockport mm. versus West Ham, Chorley versus, you know, Wayne Rooney's Derby or whatever. It's just it is a brilliant draw, you know, and to me now, that's the weekend of, what is it, January the 9th. Yeah. And already now, you know, we've got this great week, great Christmas of, of, of Premier League football, but everyone is looking forward to, to the cup. And what's even better, I think, is, is, is the fact that, you know, the, it'll be decided there and then. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then, then that has made a difference in the first two rounds. You know, you're deciding it on, on the day. And it's just, you know, it, 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 I, I just love it. It just reminds you of, of, of exactly the essence of what is great about this. You know, you've got ordinary blokes there and ordinary men and women who support that club who've been through an awful lot, as you alluded to earlier in the show, over this last year. And they're going to have just, you know, a day that they could never have dreamt of. And it's just going to be memorable. Gareth Bale at Marine, you know, Harry Kane at Marine. Mm-hmm. And he'll probably put a good side of me. Harry Kane, if you remember, mm-hmm. insisted he played. The full game was the full game of Tranmere, was it last year? I, I think. Yeah. Um, but you know, so it, it's just brilliant. It, it, it is just you know. I think there should be a ban, by the way, on all Premier League ties being televised. That that is my <laughs> wish. I know, I know. But that is totally to misunderstanding. The magic of the FA Cup. I to, to know who they've got, but I think it's Wofford. Is it Man U Wofford? Yeah. Man U Wofford, yeah. yeah. Guarantee that'll be on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Arsenal, <laughs> Newcastle. I don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. Crawley, yeah. Le- Crawley Leeds was another one that really caught my eye. Crawley's oh, cup run this season has been phenomenal. The Elsa at Leeds, you know. They'll have plenty of bookings on it. I know Crawley is a ground and it's just, honestly, it'll be a wake-up call for them. Fantastic. And I want to finish on that note, actually. Just let's go around the room with some of your... Matt, let's start with you, if I may. Some of your your recollections of great FA Cup days involving Minnows. Come on, what's your favourite recollection? Um, I've, 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 not had, I've, I've covered you know, 20 odd I don't seem to be a, a particularly good omen for the Minnows because I was just racking my brains and thinking, I've not covered that many great upsets. The one that meant most to me uh, was when uh, my local team, uh, Mason United, in the first round beat Stevenage Borough. Um, it was particularly fun from that was uh, Mason were a few tiers lower than they were in, they are now in 2014 um so it was a bit a big deal at the time but it was a particularly big deal in our road because my next door neighbor was the manager so um so it had a very local thing and it's the only game I've ever gone to cover where I've been given a lift to the game by the manager's wife um so, so that was great <laughs> oh you didn't it, claim expenses unexpected of course not because <laughs> I went with the manager's wife um uh, unexpected win, uh, and then afterwards they, they said, "Oh, come and join the party afterwards." So that was great, and I wasn't wasn't driving, so it was it was all in all a very good night. But it does <laughs> it, it kind of hit home what a local thing it is, the FA Cup mm. in the early rounds, to, and how much it means to to sort of local areas. And, it, and if you can get an upset against, I mean, Stevenage Borough weren't exactly the greatest thing, but they were they were League yeah. Two, at the League One at the time. Um, but yeah, if you can do that, then uh, then it, it just means so much to to the locality. Yeah, Jezza. Like Dunny, I've not been to that many. The one, the one that stands out is the Bradford Chelsea one in twenty fifteen. Was it four two? Oh yes, 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 yes. At Stamford Bridge, yes. It stands out because I interviewed um, Phil Parkinson in the week, the week before at a hotel in Weatherby, and um, I don't know if anyone's interviewed Phil Parkinson before, but he's he's the most sort of deadpan sort of bloke. So sort of non not nondescript might be a bit unkind, but he's so sort of calm and sort of um, level headed. And he was saying, Oh, you know, he, he sort of seemed um, you know, we'll show them the ultimate respect because it's one of the greatest managers in the world, did it? And then they go down there, go two nil behind, and then give him a walloping by four goals to two. And he went ballistic afterwards with joy, and you know, that stands out. But the ultimate fairy tale for me was when Wimbledon beat Liverpool in eighty-eight. Yeah. That was for me was just the most amazing FA Cup story. Yeah, Andy. 
You know what, mine, my, I've been to quite a few uh, where, where they've, they've come close um, to being huge upsets, but never. I was at Chase Town the other year when they, um, which was, which was, you know, they, I think they would probably be like the same tier as, as Marine, if not lower equivalent. But you know what, my first memory was was actually my last year at um, university in York in 1985, and I went as a as a fan to York versus Arsenal. In, in, in 85 what a day i mean absolutely i remember it was a filthy afternoon we were hot we were scared this is the days before health and safety me and a pal of mine we were halfway up a floodlight watching it um um terrible pitch just everything was about it i think york we're, we're actually in the league they were in, in the bottom division and they beat arsenal one nil that day and it was absolutely magical and keith houchin scored the goal mm. keith houchin scored the goal for york obviously went on to score a, 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 a an equally important goal in the fa cup and it was just brilliant. And it was just, I think, they, I think, I think, we, I think they drew in Liverpool as well in, in the next round. I think, I think they drew, drew that game, got beaten. Anfield. I'm not sure. I wouldn't vouch for that. But I certainly remember that game. And that was just a quintessential upset. You know, a team like Arsenal, like, you, you know, from, you know, the soft south, the, 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 the sort of, um, and coming up north to play York City and basically being, you know, given a, a, a good old fashioned going over. And that is that. I mean, I don't want to sort of uh, generalise and um, and uh, and North South. Please do, please that's do. What, that's what it's all about. This, this is it. Yeah, and and to me, that was uh, that that sort of epitomises what, it, to an even greater extent, because of course, Marine are far lower in the rankings than York were at that time. But this is the type of game that I expect when um, when let's hope for terrible weather. I mean, I'm sure you know yeah. that, that'll be the case. That pitch, that pitch oh. that day at York City was absolutely, absolutely. frozen solid, wasn't it? Um, basically, yeah, I, think, I, I think I think I remember yeah. Steve Williams bouncing off the pitch. Basically, he always used to run in this strange sort of almost right. yeah, I, I remember it. Off the pitch. Me, I, I, I got some bottle at half time, and I didn't know whether to drink it or <laughs> pour it over my hands. You know, it, 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 it was that hand. cold. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Around a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 silly FA Cup memory, really, it's sort of in the manner of 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 um, uh, uh, FA Cup minnows, and uh, also because it's F, um, North London derby this weekend. Is, is I remember one in the early eighties when I think Arsenal lost to Tottenham. So obviously it was a giant killing, clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Garth and Garth and Garth Crooks scored the winner, I think. And then basically a few weeks later, um, I, 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 I was we were out in a family lunch actually in in sort of a bit of a top, bit of a Tottenham area, a bit of a Tottenham sort of hotel sort of thing for for a bit of a bit of a lunch, and my dad spotted Garth Crooks a few a few tables away actually, and said, "Oh, go on, go on, go and ask him for his autograph when he's finished eating. Go and ask him for his autograph." So I went over. With, with my dad, obviously, because, uh, you know, painfully shy as a boy. And um, uh, w uh, forgetting, rather, that I'd got an Arsenal belt on. Belt. <laughs> Can you imagine them all stupid things? So I've given away <laughs> my allegiances here, and they did on the day. And then basically said to Garth Crooks, uh, you know, can I, have you, can I have your autograph? Garth Crooks blew me away with being so nice. Absolutely, so nice. And I still haven't plucked up the courage to speak to him and tell him about it, um, even to this, even to this day. And then basically, he signed it. Basically, to John. Sorry about the Arsenal. You know, he hadn't asked what team I'd supported. He clearly noticed the belt. 
and and signed it. And honestly, I think, forget what you hear and what you know about Garth Brooks. Top bloke, smashing fella, lovely that day. Made it, you know, really, really nice. And uh, 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 and, uh, and it's, it's met him in subsequent real life, shall we say. Um, yes. And uh, and, it, and equally nice to this day as well. So uh, anyway, but thanks so much for joining. FA Cup, I love it. If you haven't, uh, it's the magic of the cup. Absolutely love it. And um can't wait for the Premier League to be back this weekend. What a, what a round of fixtures. Um, never a dull moment. So mu- thanks so much for joining us. And thanks so much, guys, for, for um, being with us this week. Really appreciate your company. Uh, nice to see you all and see you at the same time, same place next week. <laughs>